0: Um, I just thought, we're continuing our series on the heart, um, I just thought before we started I'd just uh, mention this book, uh, With All Your Heart by A. Craig Troxell, the um, main reason to mention it is I take most of my material from him, and so not to be guilty of stealing or plagiarising, um, I thought I'd mention that, so if you want to have a look at that, he, he divides the heart up into this uh, mind, um, desires, will, and goes through it and breaks it down like that, um, and, and he's particularly good at kind of um, how your mind and your will and your desires kind of work together uh, interlace and to um, and to so if, you, if you want to read more, think more, um, obviously what we're doing in these Sunday School sessions is, is, is enormously brief in many ways. Um, I'd highly recommend uh, that book. Um, it's very easy to read, um, easy to read and very, uh, I think, insightful. Um, so I'll leave that there. Um, have a look if you want, G. Um, let me pray for us and then we'll dig in. Father, this morning, uh, please uh, be with us. Uh, Be teaching us uh, through your words, uh, by your spirit. Be informing our minds and growing us in understanding. And be changing our hearts in many different ways, we pray, um, as we uh, consider uh, particularly how uh, Christ uh, is the saviour of our hearts. I ask uh, for his glory. Amen. Amen. Um, Okay, so we've been thinking about the hearts. We've been thinking... uh, uh, about this verse, uh, Proverbs 4.23. Uh, Keep your heart of all vigilance, uh, for from it flows the springs uh, of life. Uh, and the first session we thought just a little bit about kind of what our heart is, um, how do we understand our hearts, and I introduced you to um, the idea of um, ha- having these different areas of the heart, uh, the mind, the desires, the will. Uh, last, last week just thought a little bit more about um, what, our, what our natural hearts are like. Um, uh, it's a Je- Jeremiah... Chapter 17, um, our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Um, Who can understand them? So how sin has affected uh, our mind, uh, darkened our mind, how sin has affected our desires. Um, So Our desires are sick. Um, And how sin has affected our will, so we're we're enslaved to our our, our sinful desires. Um, And um, don't desire the things of God. Um, And this week, uh, just thinking a little bit about what Christ is doing uh, with our hearts which hopefully will be encouraging and helpful, um, particularly after uh, last week, the focus is on uh, the sin in our hearts. Um, but just looking at, at Proverbs uh, 4.23 to begin with, um, that what we're commanded to do there is to keep our hearts of all vigilance. Um, and to do that, and necessarily supposes um, that our hearts are alive, right? Um, to, to keep them alive... I suppose that they are alive that it has in fact as it says in the verse um, springs of life and if it's not alive if our hearts aren't alive it would be like asking um, a skeleton to work, work out it would be like uh, trying to grow a garden uh, without water and what hopefully we kind of grasped last week is that naturally the problem is our hearts are lifeless aren't they um, and you can see that in the different faculties of the heart um, so in, in the mind the will and, and the desires uh, and so you, you can't in a biblical scriptural sense and um, you can't keep your heart if it's not regenerate um, you can't keep your heart unless christ has come uh, to your heart and done something to it it has no um no springs of life to keep um, so for for the proverb to begin to make sense to us uh, my heart must be given life if it's not there's nothing to keep um, so only, only when a skeleton, i use that analogy, only when a skeleton is given muscles, um, can it begin to work out. Um, or only when, when a garden has water, or has, has springs of water even, um, can it grow beautiful. Same is true for us. Only when our hearts are given life, um, can they be kept uh, by us. Um, and so this, this morning, just thinking a little bit about uh, the life that Christ gives to us. Um, just turn to uh, Ezekiel 36 in, in the Bible. <coughs> Ezekiel 36, and just um, to get our minds working, a couple of questions uh, to discuss there. Um, Let me read uh, the verses uh, for you. Uh, From verse 25 of Ezekiel 36, um, speaking uh, first to the Israelites returning from exile, but um, I I think the promises go beyond that and to the salvation we find in Christ. So, uh, verse 25, um, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. Uh, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove your heart of flesh. Uh, sorry. And I will remove your heart of stone uh, from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So hopefully uh, for many of us familiar verses. Um, but what is God doing with the heart? And what is the result? And how does that uh, help us think uh, about what's happening in our salvation? So Christ saves us. How do these verses help us uh, think about salvation in general? Right, Go for five, five minutes in Greece. Good. Let, let's, um, let's draw it together. Hopefully, very obviously, um, the, the imagery used by God here, a heart of stone. Um, to a heart of flesh. It's, it's, it's an image of giving life, isn't it? Um, so, so God is giving to his people a heart that is alive, not a heart that is stony and dead. Um, and, and what's particularly interesting is how it goes on in verse 27. And so I'll give you a heart of flesh. And what does a heart of flesh do? Um, a heart of flesh walks in God's statues and is careful to obey his rules. And we thought right at the start of the series how, how what God wants from us is a heart given to him. Um, I think that's a good description of a heart uh, given uh, to God, uh, one that is careful to walk in the statues and careful to obey uh, all his rules, who listens uh, to his will. Um, and it's noticed as well, as well, as we'll come on to in the session, is it doesn't say a perfect heart, it's um, so not giving you, giving you a heart that, that never sins, um, but a heart that is alive. Um, a heart that has desires that wouldn't have uh, without God's work and God's spirit. A heart that doesn't understand things that otherwise um, wouldn't understand. So it does understand things that otherwise wouldn't understand. A heart that, that loves God when there's no uh, love before. And very simply, therefore, as Christians, when we think about our salvation, uh, we do need to be thinking about it as a matter of the heart. And salvation is a matter uh, of the heart. Um, and it's essential that we, we keep that at uh, the forefront of our minds, I think, uh, day by day uh, as Christians. Um, Christ um, is our redeemer, right? So Christ, Christ is the one uh, who, who regains, who reclaims or, or recovers our hearts. So as, I think as evangelicals, and particularly in the kind of wider evangelical world, we're very good at understanding that Christ saves us from the guilt of our hearts. I mean, he pays for our sin uh, on the cross, Um, but I think we're probably just a little bit less good at at talking about how Christ saves us from um, the grime of our hearts if you like Um, uh, how our hearts are sin sick, Uh, he's bringing healing uh, to them Um, so his current work having justified you, i.e. dealt with the guilt of your heart is to sanctify you and to change uh, the grime um, to turn you more and more into a different person if you like Um, or to put it positively, to, to make you more and more alive Um, so so a Christian is someone who's not um, more and more dead or or more and more boring or more and more whatever you want to fill in the gap Um, he's someone who's more and more alive according to God's words and the way he does that again this this is probably not new news to any of us here but it's through his word and spirit Um, and and so for that reason I'm not going to dwell on it too much Um, but when Christ ascends um, one of the big things he does is he sends his spirit He, he, he promises his spirit first of all in John and then pours out at uh, his spirit. Uh, and if you read the rest of the scriptures, the main way the spirit works in the, in the Christian's heart is through the word. So Ephesians 6, talk about kind of the battle with the dark spiritual forces in the world. And we're going to take up the, the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God. It's why the word of God isn't just um, paper and ink to us. Um, it's it's because the Spirit is at work through the words. That's why Hebrews 4.12 can say that the Word of God is, is living and active, not because it kind of has some of its own kind of magical properties, um, but because the Spirit is at work through the words and the pages um, as we read them. Um, so as I, as I read God's Word, the Spirit takes the words and grips my heart and transforms it. Um, Classically, we think of the transformation of the heart in terms of regeneration and sanctification. You can think of those two words simply as regeneration, is when, when Christ first makes my heart alive, uh, first plants in it dies, desires for godliness, desires for the Lord Jesus, um, understanding of my sin. And sanctification is simply the, the ongoing process of that I'm um, making my heart um, more and more alive. What's interesting, I, I think, in the New Testament, something I hadn't really noticed before, is that the, a lot of the imagery when the Bible uses imagery, and it does, does that a lot, uh, for regeneration and sanctification, um, often comes uh, to the different faculties of the heart and described in the different faculties of the heart. So the mind desires will. I think Sir Clare Ferguson actually put it really helpfully um, in an article I read, um, Scottish preacher, but he, he says that he says in his article, he, he illumines my mind, he right, gives light to my mind, the truth of the gospel, he frees my enslaved will from its bondage to sin and he cleanses my affections uh, by his uh, grace. And throughout the Bible, this image is used, isn't it? Um, to Christ shines a light into our hearts. Uh, or, 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 or regeneration is described as the washing of our regeneration. In fact, even I think in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, um, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and, I, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. Um, Jesus says, um, "Whoever the sun sets free," in John eight. Who- uh, whoever the sun sets free uh, is free indeed. Um, all the ways that, that, that salvation is described when it comes to these areas um, of, of regeneration, sanctification is, is often described, basically aimed at the mind, desires, and will. And so, for the rest of the session. Uh, I just want to kind of just have a little overview of how Christ uh, is changing our uh, three faculties of our hearts. Um, so have to say, if you look down, um, it's got three headings. As our prophet, he teaches of my mind. As our priest, he cleanses my desires. Uh, as a king, uh, he renews my will. Looking through the three areas, you see he acts as a prophet, priest, and king, uh, again, in our church, probably something we've become more familiar with because John T's written a book on it and taught series on it. Um, but it's helpful to think, isn't it? He's our, he's our redeemer. So that's his one work is redeeming our hearts. But he does it in three, like three ways. He works in three ways. as a prophet, priest, and king. Um, and those three ways correspond to our, our hearts, our mind, our desires, and our will. Um, as with I with pointing out there, when, when Christ is working on my mind for instance, he, he's, in, he's not working on it in separation to the rest of my heart. Because my mind's wrapped up in my desires and my will. Or you can put whichever one you want in there. Um, he's working on my desires, he's also working on my mind uh, and also my will. Because he's he's my one redeemer. to redeeming all of me. Um, but it's helpful to see that that he goes about it in three um three ways to overlap and interweave. Um so diving in, as our prophet, as Christ is our prophet, he teaches my mind. So we saw in um, Jeremiah 17 last week that our hearts are, are deceitful above all things. Um, we don't really know this true state of our hearts. We don't really understand it. In fact, we deceive ourselves about it. So It says our hearts are sick. Um, but the general opinion of our culture is our hearts are not sick at all. That's, that's, a, that's a way our hearts are deceitful. Um, but our hearts are deceitful, but as a prophet, he's, he's teaching them through his word. His word can discern the thoughts and intentions of, of our hearts. Um, that's, that's the exact language. Again, Hebrews four twelve, very famous verse. And um, the words of God is living and active and um, sharp and a two-edged sword and piercing to the, I think, to, like, the joints and the marrows um, of, of the thoughts of the heart, essentially. Um, targeting the, the mind and transforming it. Um, so it can show us why um, we think the way we do, shows how we think the way we do, uh, and can expose uh, the deceitfulness of it. And so we actually begin to perceive, truly, through God's word, uh, what our hearts are really like. Um, and that's obviously not in separation from the spirit. So spirit teaches things we couldn't otherwise understand. It's, it's very clear in 1 Corinthians. Um, let me just read those verses to you, 1 Corinthians. verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 2 um, we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit is from God that we might do what? We might understand the things freely given us by God and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are uh, spiritual. spiritual. Mean, it couldn't be clear if, uh, could it. That the spirit only really comes to us when we read God's word Um, Gives us understanding that otherwise we'd be unable uh, to have. He he makes God's word take up up residence in our heart and become living and active to us um, where otherwise it wouldn't uh, be. Uh, So that God's word comes to me and changes me from uh, the inside out. And actually one of the main ways, especially initially, the Spirit is working in my heart and my mind is helping me see clearly what my heart is really like until um, so John, John 16, um, when Jesus talks about the Spirit coming and what the Spirit's going to do. Actually, the, the first things that he talks about there, he talks about the Spirit coming and bringing conviction of sin and conviction of judgment, i.e. helping me see what my heart is really like before God and convict me of it. Um, and so it shouldn't be surprised actually, as, as Christians, if that's what happens in regeneration, that, that my heart, I, I begin to understand for the first time what my heart's really like shouldn't be a surprise to us that actually as a Christian, as we progress and mature as a Christian, um, we find more and more sin in our hearts. Um, Sometimes Christians get worried when they they discover and realise how sinful they are. And they think they've got worse perhaps than when they first um, became Christians. But actually the opposite is true. And they're just understanding um, more and more the depth of this sin in, in themselves. Uh, as we're saying, we don't have time to go through all the different passages we could do, but, but knowledge um, it goes hand in hand with all manner of things in Scripture. As we grow in knowledge, we grow in faith, and we grow in love, we grow in grace, we grow in maturity. Um, Paul, um, particularly in Ephesians, keeps talking about how he wants um, their, their hearts to be enlightened. He says, he says actually in Ephesians 1, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, to open, to understand and um, the hope that you have in Christ and the riches of your salvation just to finish up on the mind i have just going to Romans 12 with me I mean, there's one passage which is helpful on, on thinking about what Christ is doing about our minds Romans 12 is is, is really helpful let me, let me read these two verses to work for us I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, i.e., verse 1, give your your heart to God, give yourself in in totality um, uh, to God. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, uh, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and uh, what is susceptible and perfect. Um, how, how are we to change from being those who are conformed to the world, i.e., those who are kind of uh, shaped? You can imagine a, kind of, a cookie cutter. Um, so, 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 people in our culture are shaped by the culture we live in, um, so they fit into the, into the mould. How are we to change from that to being uh, those who, who understand what God wants and are able to discern it and able to obey it? Well, it's by being transformed through renewal of your mind, um, and the crucial, I think, the crucial thing to grasp in that in that verse is it's it's be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So as you as you read God's word and understand it better, that's where transformation comes from. So the the, the, the tense of be transformed as a verb is a passive thing. And so so you, I tend to think, oh, I need to use God's word. Go go and dig up certain facts and then uh, use that to change myself but actually the emphasis here is, is totally grace driven as you read God's word uh, you are transformed as you get to know it better and better it transforms you i.e. I'm transformed by Christ as I open up um, his words, uh, and it comes to me in power as the spirit works it in my heart um, but crucially transformation comes in those verses through the mind um, moving on uh, as our priest he cleanses our desires so our hearts are sick Jeremiah 17 our hearts are sick we love the wrong things uh, and the things that we should love we probably love in the wrong ways um, and so, he, so one thing he does the mind, is he illumines us to understand better actually the kind of state of our hearts how our desires are wrong um, but he also he's also out to change our desires um, again it's, it's, it's essential to emphasize that isn't it um, Christ is not out to extinguish desire. Um, so we're not Stoics uh, who believe that, that our reason should flatten our desires. We're not Buddhists who actually are seeking, essentially, an absence of desire. I think that's what... I'm not an expert on Buddhism, but I think that's what Nirvana is. Um, that's what they're seeking, is a kind of place where their desires, just no desires in them anymore. They're completely free from the desires um, in their hearts. But Christ's goal is not to do that. He wants us to have strong desires. But of course, he wants our desires to be strong in the right ways and centered on the right things. So we're saying as well, isn't it, that Jesus himself was the man of strong desire. And you see that throughout the scriptures. He was a man and passioned by many things. And actually, if he didn't have strong desire, I don't think that there wouldn't be a cross, would there? It's out of love for God and love for us uh, that he died. Um, looking at desires, let's turn to Galatians 5 this particular area of the heart. A couple, of book, couple of books on from Romans. Versions 5 uh, 16 to 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Um, when it comes to our desires, I mean, there's probably two key things to keep in mind as Christians. Um, one we'll come on to in a second, um, but it's the power of, of sinful desires that's broken in us. Um, and we'll come on to that in the will. We're not enslaved to our desires. But also, the other big thing is our desires aren't on Um We're given new desires. And verse 17 says we have been given desires of the spirit. Um, which, I mean, on an initial level, on a big picture level, it just means things like, I actually want to try and please God in my life. Um, an unregenerate person, a person about life in the heart, doesn't want to do that. I'm actually concerned about the sin I find uh, in myself. Um, but what it does mean is that as a Christian, my heart becomes uh, a battlefield, a battleground of, of desires and loves. And most of us will know that. Um, how our desires wage war against us uh, inside of us and actually I think knowing that truth um, that our our hearts are battlegrounds of desires new desires given to us by the Spirit um, waging war on our old desires should be a deep encouragement Um, most of us will have a question in our minds from time to time particularly through seasons where we're being particularly tempted by sin If, if, if God alone can make me alive how do I know I'm alive at all uh, and we might become anxious about that. We might struggle with that. Um, why do we do that? Well, because of sin in my life. And the sin in my life which I, 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 I submit to, the sin in my life which I, I desire to do, um, the sin in my life that I give in to, and I feel terrible about it. And I feel anxious. Am I, am I really alive in God? Um, so it's, it's worth saying, that the mere fact that sin in your life is causing you a struggle... Even if, you, even if you're failing again and again, um, is a sign that new desires are warring against the old in your heart. Otherwise, that the person who has no spirit in them, who has no new desires given them, that there's no war, and their content and their sinfulness, um, more or less. Um, but the Christian who is very conscious of their sin and weighs them down, actually is a sign of that their heart has been uh, given life in their desires in particular. Um, moving on, but the, the, the goal of the war, of the battleground, is to have a heart that's pure and single-minded minded and devoted to God alone. And to have the, the new desires given by me, by Christ to me, and defeat uh, the old, so that what I treasure in my life isn't God plus other stuff, so I'm divided and double-minded, but actually God alone. And the wonderful promise of Christ is that while I am on the battlefield fighting, uh, the wonderful promise is that he will complete his work in me. Um, victory is certain in my desires, uh, whatever state they're in currently. Um, and then as our king, he renews our will. Um, so as I said just, just earlier, uh, first and foremost, he sets us free from the power sin has over me. Um, this, this is the groundbreaking truth of Romans 6. I think it's worth turning there. Let's to Romans 6. Um, Romans 6, when it comes to dealing about the sin in our hearts, I think it's, it's probably one of the most central verses and passages in Scripture, and also one of the deepest, as, in, as in I, I have certainly not spent enough time on it or plumbed the depths of it. Um, I'm sure most, most people who've studied it would agree with me. Um, but just reading from well let me, let me just give a bit of context um, so paul verse chapter 6 verse 1 people are saying if if sin causes god's grace to abound because he's, he's so gracious and forgiving then why shouldn't we just continue on sinning um, then it, then there'll be more grace poured out by god and that would glorify him more uh, and paul goes on to say how can you say that you're dead to sin why are you dead to sin because you've been united to christ when christ died on the cross and was raised to a new life By his spirit, you've been united to his death and been raised in your life as well. Um, And so what has happened to me as a result of my union to Christ, my union to his death and resurrection, well, verse five, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Because we know that our old self, that's talking about our old hearts, our old nature given to us by Adam, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that what? We would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died, I being united to Christ, has been set free from sin. Um, those are verses to get deep into our bones. Because a lot of our feelings will be, I'm not free from sin. I still feel enslaved. Um, but the point of Romans 6 and the truth that pierces through us in Romans 6 is that it doesn't matter how you feel about your sin. This is is the objective reality of what Christ has done for you. Uh, He has set you free from your sin. So when sin comes knocking and temptation rises in your heart, the power to make you do what it wants is broken. Um, My will has been freed from obeying sinful desires. And that happens in the moment you become a Christian. Say so then, having freed it, uh, what is Christ now doing? Well, Titus two verse eleven says that He is training us to renounce ungodliness. If you like, training us to say no uh, to what is sinful in me. So temptation seeks to entice me with, with honey words about how good life would be if I just turned back to sin again. Uh, and and God is and Christ is giving me uh, the strength to say to say no to that. Uh, it's worth saying, therefore that Christians are meant to be those who are increasingly strong-willed in a good sense, that have wills that are full of courage and resilience, um, not, just, not just people who are, as you'll see in a second, who are surrendered. Um, but there's two sides to our will. When it comes to sin and to temptation, we're meant to be increasingly those who have a, have a strong will. And um, think about the fruits of the Spirit. So, the fruits of the Spirit have got lots of lovely ones, I love, joy, peace, patience, Um, But the list finishes with self-control. It just feels a little bit. Something feels a little bit out of place, doesn't it? Um, But but why self-control? Why is that a fruit of the Spirit? Well, you look around us in the world at how people's hearts are. You've got to say they're not self-controlled, and people have lost control of their hearts. Um, They've lost control of their minds and their emotions and their imaginations and their appetites and their sexuality and their insecurities. Uh, But Christ's Spirit is giving us back self-control uh, over our hearts be able to say no uh, and not let our desires run loose in us um, but the flip side is we also should have a surrendered will I suspect we're a bit more familiar with that so it's a Lord's Prayer not my will but yours be done um that it says in Lord's Prayer? something like that um or oh, Jesus Mount Gethsemane oh that's what Jesus says in Mount Gethsemane yeah um but, but our heart is that when, when we find that what we have in our hearts is in conflict with what God speaks to us and wants from us, actually a will which submits our hearts in humility, surrenders our rights, denies ourselves, and gives ourselves to what he calls us to. Um, in that sense, we're people who are more and more entrusted to God, who are less less uh, reliant on our own selves, essentially. Um, less and less proud and aloof, or hardened out of God's voice. So, a, a, um, a surrendered will. Um, we've got five minutes, so let's. Uh, I've got just a few. You, you might have better lines than the ones i go got down there. Um, but what would you say to the Christian who says or shows that they think? I'm not to say it in these words exactly, but they show they think this. Three lines um, My spiritual life is a real mess. I'm just not sure I have the energy to get it in shape Um, I don't really see why I need to read the Bible I understand the gospel already Um, and I keep falling for the same sin it overpowers me again and again and I feel pretty hopeless about it Um, maybe pick one or two of those Um, what kind of things might you you say to them or what what kind of things would you counsel your own heart that's you um, this morning what kind of things would have been an encouragement to you um, in that thinking Uh, let's, let's turn for two or three minutes um, get let's uh, last minute, let's, let's draw it together sorry, that was a little brief um, we're, we're running over those, those lines, um, I just want to pick up on the last one, no first one sorry, my spiritual life is a real mess, I'm not just I'm not sure I have the energy to get in shape, As I say that's, that's true for a lot of us at different moments in our days and lives um, we, just, we just feel exhausted about trying to trying to seek God a bit more in our lives, trying to be more prayerful, that kind of thing. Uh, I think the danger is we end up falling into the of thinking that I am, I am the saviour of my heart. So the real change in my Christian life will come from me. Um, and, and because I actually also want to be the master of my heart, um, Jesus almost becomes a, a means to an end, um, someone I can use to sort out myself. Um, so it's, as always, um, that's the emphasis of the session, um, Jesus is the saviour of my heart, he's the active saviour of my heart, he's the one redeeming and actively mastering me. It doesn't, doesn't lead me to inactivity um, as my master is calling me to be active in, in using my heart and seeking him and so on. But it does change my, my, my approach, my attitude uh, and my thinking on, on, on the state of my heart. It means that instead of despairing I'll simply take myself to Christ. I'll place my mess in his hands I'll ask for his work to be uh, done in me and I think the main thing that gives us is, is, is a sense of rest actually uh, when we look into our hearts and I find conflicting desires and sinful thinking and uh, and wills given over to sin here and there um, I think when we when we look to Christ and see that he is the one at work in my heart it can give us rest it's okay that I understand everything about how I work um, I haven't plumbed the depth of my feelings it's, it's okay in a sense there's a, a battle going on Um, Christ is with me, he's giving me his spirit and he promised me victory Um, and I want to say there's nothing like knowing that Um, there's nothing like knowing that your heart is messed up um, but you have a saviour for it uh, who's outside of you active and reigning and changing you Um, so instead of of fatigue and lethargy and disappointment when it comes to, to working out my spiritual life I think I can discover in Christ, when I look to him and see what he's doing, um, strength and energy, and, and actually increasing desire to engage in heart work. Um, because actually, I, I, it's not up to me in some ways, uh, but up to the Lord Jesus as he works in me. Let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll turn the church around. Father, you are a God of grace beyond all measure and understanding um, that even though our hearts are, are sick, Uh, and weak and defiled and full of diseases and corruptions. and He sent the Lord Jesus not just to uh, save us from the guilt and the punishment, but also uh, to make us new, to give us our hearts of flesh. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be doing that by your spirit, even this morning as we come uh, to your word, um, as it's preached to us uh, by John T. As we uh, sing your praises, Uh, be at work in us, uh, transforming us and making us ever more uh, given over to you in our lives. Uh, We ask uh, for your glory.